Are you tired of losing your rights and freedoms? The Alberta Prosperity Project has a solution for you. Join the community and learn more at albertaprosperityproject.com. And with you on board, we can achieve freedom and prosperity for all of us. Ezra Levance, my name. I am the president of Rebel News. Sometimes I call myself Rebel Commander to make myself feel a little tougher than I am. What a pleasure to be in the seat. You know, I used to do these live streams every single day. When the pandemic started, I uh, had so much to say and folks were so curious about so many things. Then our company went and uh, doubled in size. We went from 30 staff to 65. And I, instead of having time to do things that I loved, like talk on TV or even I wrote a book in the early days of the pandemic called China virus. Uh, well, my life uh, became taken over by uh, administrative matters and meetings. And I thought to myself, hang on, what am I doing? I, I can always make time for a quick live stream, maybe not 90 minutes as I sometimes went during the day, but I can do half an hour in addition to my nighttime show, which I still do every day at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 Mountain. And um, I had a couple things on my mind today. I, I heard... Uh, Andrew and Mocha talk about the trucker convoy, which I think was the most important democratic moment of the pandemic. It got rid of Aaron O'Toole, the fake conservative leader uh, federally. It precipitated the defenestration. That's a fancy word that means throw out the window. It precipitated the defenestration of Jason Kenney in Alberta. It's ironic that the only two politicians it got rid of are nominally conservative. But it's actually not surprising because it forced those leaders to prove, well, are you freedom-oriented or not? Are you authoritarian or anti-authoritarian? Are you for personal sovereignty over your own body? Are you for limited government? Are you for privacy? And both Aaron O'Toole and Jason Kenney failed the test. Very interesting. Um, unfortunately, Jason Kenney and Aaron O'Toole are not Justin Trudeau, who thinks of himself as having been vin vindicated. I mean, he brought in martial law, and um, he's still considered polite company. Isn't that odd? Um, can you go to Omar Al-Gabra's tweet? Omar Al-Gabra is the transport minister who these days is more famous for the absolute disaster that is Canadian airports, like just absolute disaster. <laughs> Look at this tweet. I couldn't believe the chutzpah of him tweeting this. Many of the goods we all count on every day are brought to us by truck drivers. Am I a two-year-old? Am I a two? Why are you talking to me like I'm a two-year-old? I've had the chance to meet many of them this year. Yeah, when they were in jail. And listen to their stories. I like stories because I'm a grown-up. Your work is essential for our supply chain and for all Canadians. Thank you, National Trucking Week. You know, Omar Al-Gabra was part of the Trudeau cabinet when Trudeau said the truckers were racist, were misogynist, that means they hate women, were intolerant, were bigoted. This is what they said about the truckers. When in fact the truckers were very diverse, every background. A lot of truckers from Quebec, a lot of truckers who happen to be Indo-Canadian, including Sikh truckers. 
Not only did they defame the truckers, smear them, insult them, call them names for merely peacefully exercising their right to protest, but they arrested them, jailed them, seized their trucks, seized their bank accounts, invoked a form of martial law called the Emergencies Act. To this day, there are truckers that remain in jail. I learned today there's a trucker who's been rotting in jail since May. I want to learn more about his case. Tamara Leach, the peaceful Métis grandma, who was sort of the spiritual leader of the truckers, was put in jail, what, 48 days? On what? She hasn't been convicted of anything. Inciting mischief? I don't think anyone in the history of Canada has ever been jailed pending trial for a charge of inciting mischief. I don't think anyone in the history of Canada has been jailed for actually being convicted of an inciting mischief. How do you possibly do that? And Omar al-Gabra has the temerity, the chutzpah, of going online and saying, I love truckers! <laughs> I love you guys! Except for when I'm demonizing you, jailing you, seizing your bank account, or deploying riot police against you. Other than that, I really like you truckers. What a disgrace he is. In the same vein... I see news in Blacklocks, which is one of my favorite media outlets, one of the very few in this country that, like us, don't take money from the government. There's a story in Blacklocks <clears throat> about the justice minister. Now, remember who the justice minister is. His name is David Lametti. And, and he looks like, you know what, you can't judge a book by its cover. But he looks like a weasel. I'm sorry, he does. And I say that because I can't help think about how he got his job. You might recall his predecessor was uh, the first indigenous justice minister in Canadian history, a woman named Jody Wilson-Raybould, who, I mean, I, in, in certain ways she was too activist to, for, for me, she was too left-wing for me, but put aside ideological differences, I think Jody Wilson-Raybould may have been the most ethically sound, morally sound, conscientious cabinet minister in a generation. I don't think there was anyone who was more moral or ethical or clean than Jody Wilson-Raybould. And she wouldn't go along with some trial-fixing scheme that Gerald Butts and Trudeau had. And she was literally fired as justice minister because she would not let Trudeau interfere with the criminal trial of his buddies at SNC-Lavalin. The most ethical justice minister in Canadian history was fired for being too ethical. And she just happened to be an indigenous woman of color. So who says, boss, 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 I want her office. I want her paycheck. I want her title. I want the power to appoint judges. And yes, I will do everything you say. I will throw any trial. I will do your bidding, Justin. But that crooked, crooked weasel, David Lametti, just a reminder of who we're dealing with when we're dealing with David Lametti. He is the most crooked justice minister to follow the most honest justice minister. And his sole selling point to Justin Trudeau was, I will do the dirty things that Jody Wilson-Raybould will not do. Just a little introduction to who we're dealing with. So let's go to that story in um, Blacklocks. Feared another rail blockade. Attorney General David Lametti used emergency powers against the Freedom Convoy on fears... Protesters would block railways, according to the Department of Justice records. Briefing notes did not explain 
why cabinet allowed 2020 First Nations blockade of railways without invoking the Emergencies Act. Threat, threats were made to block railway lines, which would result in significant disruptions, staff wrote in April 23rd briefing materials to Attorney General Lametti. Railways serve customers in almost every part of the Canadian economy, said the department. The result of a railway blockade would be significant, wrote staff. Canada's freight and industry transports more than $310 billion worth of goods each year on a network that runs from coast to coast. Freedom Convoy protesters did not block railways. Cabinet invoked the Emergencies Act on February 14th. No similar action was taken to end 2020 rail protests by First Nations. Month-long blockades dated from February 7, 2020 in support of Wet'suwet'en First Nation demonstrations over a gas pipeline. The blockades cost $283 million and resulted in more than 1,000 layoffs, according to a parliamentary budget office report. Thanks very much. Uh, a complete lie by a complete liar. The truckers went nowhere near the, near the railway. The truckers honked their horns in Ottawa till the judge said, stop honking your horns, and they stopped. Truckers blocked the bridge between Windsor and Detroit for, what, a day, day and a half, and then they moved when they were told to. They didn't block for a month like Trudeau's allies did. And why do you need the Emergencies Act anyways? I, w the one excuse that sounded almost legit was we need the Emergencies Act to get tow trucks. Now that's laughable when you hear, when you actually say it, but the criminal code in fact allows police to commandeer any vehicle, including a tow truck. It's a lie. So what a pack of lies. They're warming up. They're getting ready with their pack of lies to talk, uh, because here comes the judicial inquiry into the trucker's convoy. You hear Mocha mention that. Mocha um, has a documentary coming out. The timing of our documentary release was to coincide with the beginning of this commission. The judge says he has emergency surgery, so the commission is being delayed a bit. But you can already see their attempt to revise history, and that lying weasel David Lamenti wants to be part of it. Speaking of lying weasels, let's go to Alberta again. I want to tell you what's going on in Alberta. So uh, Jason Kenney was one of the two political leaders in this country who lost their job because of their mishandling of the lockdown. Aaron O'Toole, the coward, uh, I don't know if you even remember who he is. He used to be the leader of the federal conservatives, except for he wasn't a leader and he wasn't conservative. And even though his title was Her Majesty's Loyal Opposition, he did not oppose the lockdowns. That's salt without its saltiness. What is the point of salt if it's not salty? Like, what are you? What is the point of a conservative opposition leader who is not conservative, does not oppose, and doesn't lead? You are nothing, 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 a nullity, empty. An empty cab pulled up and Aaron no tool got out. So he was the first casualty of the truckers when the conservative party would no longer abide his liberal light. Good riddance to him. Jason Kenney was the next, and it was not just the truckers, but it was his general war on anyone who opposed lockdowns, especially Christian pastors. Just like Trudeau threw truckers in jail for 30, 40, 50 days. Well, Jason Kenney actually did that first, and he did it to pastors. I wonder if Justin Trudeau thought, I can jail truckers for a month or two, because Jason Kenney, the so-called conservative hero, jailed pastors for a month or two. So if the premier of Alberta can jail Christian pastors for a month, 
Surely the Prime Minister of Canada can jail truckers for a month. Jason Kenney actually set the standard for Justin Trudeau. How gross is that? But it backfired in Jason Kenney because the most freedom-oriented province, whose motto is literally taken from our anthem, strong and free, the motto of Alberta is strong and free in Latin fortis et liber. Um, so his own party was sick of him, and they had a vote to get rid of him. And um, he got 51%, you might recall, in a party leadership contest, which was so close to failing, he realized the end was near. And he announced he would resign, but he's still a, what they call a lame duck premier. So there's He's announced his resignation uh, as soon as the party elects a new leader. He'll be a caretaker premier until that time, or as they sometimes say, a lame duck, as in he has no authority anymore, other than he's just sitting in the chair. Um, he's certainly partying like it's 1999 in his final months. International junkets while he's on the taxpayer's dime, just getting those frequent flyer points in before he has to use his own money before he has to use his own money for the five-star hotels, announcing spending and making all sorts of announcements for which he has no moral authority. It's sort of gross, actually, for the former head of the Taxpayers Federation to conduct themselves that way. Um, but he just can't cork it. The guy who was disgracefully tossed aside, sorry, tossed aside as a disgrace, rather, by his own party, he just can't, he can't keep a, a tongue in his mouth and so he's criticizing one of the potential successors to him. They're having a leadership contest. Danielle Smith, the former Wild Rose leader, the former journalist, uh, looks like she's leading the contest to succeed Jason Kenney. And Kenney's sort of hand-picked heir named Travis Taves. I, I don't think he's connecting with people. I think people aren't done punishing the conservative party. And... Um, and Travis Taves is so closely associated with Jason Kenney, he's, he's really a mini-me. Travis Taves was literally on the rooftop of the Sky Palace. You might recall when all the restaurants and all the, all the cities were locked down, Jason Kenney had a private white tablecloth dinner on the rooftop of a, of a skyscraper called the Sky Palace uh, just for him and his friends. He had like a private, catered, private restaurant dinner party on the Sky Palace. And Travis Taves was there. And that guy? Yeah, put that picture up. Show people what the Sky Palace was like. This uh, picture, yeah, just throw that up on the screen. This picture was taken um, by telephoto. So there's, um, there's the, look at that, luxury. You can see that's on a rooftop. I'm not sure if you can quite see that. So Kenny is there. Um, Finance Minister Travis Taves, Health Minister Tyler Shandro. They're just living, lo loving life. Um, I don't think they thought they would be photographed because they were way up in the sky looking down on the little people below like ants. Uh, it was illegal for you or me to have a gathering even in a private home like this, let alone in a restaurant. But listen, rules are for the little people, not for the masters of the universe. So Travis Taves from the Sky Palace is running for the leadership. I don't know if he's going to win. I think Danielle Smith is going to win because I don't think the party's done punishing its leaders yet. So one of Danielle Smith's proposals is to invoke something she calls the Sovereignty Act. It'd be a law that hasn't been written yet. She's just talking about what the law will say, but she hasn't drafted it. And I suppose that's fair enough. You probably want help with constitutional lawyers to draft that thing perfectly. 
But she's basically saying it would expand Alberta's uh, role to fill up all the rights allotted to it under the Constitution. Here's some obvious examples. I don't know if you know this, but certain provinces have their own state, uh, have their own provincial police force. In Ontario, there's the OPP. Quebec has a Sûreté de Quebec. That's the name of the provincial police. In Alberta, uh, Jason Kenney signed a deal with, or renewed a deal with Trudeau to have the RCMP do policing in the rural parts. Okay, um, I get it. It used to be called the Northwest Mounted Police. It was very Western. But now it's run by a, a crooked police commissioner named Brenda Lucky, who literally runs errands for Trudeau all day long, the David Lametti of the Mounties. So why would you spend hundreds of millions of dollars sending that money to Trudeau to have Trudeau's police in charge of rural Alberta? Are you crazy? So that's an example of taking up space, an Alberta pension plan. You know Quebec has their own pension plan. Um, immigration, you know Quebec has their own. So basically, all the deal, the same deal that Quebec has in Canada, get that deal for Alberta. That's the idea behind the Sovereignty Act. And here's another example. Um, you know, for many years, before it was decriminalized or legalized, you know, a lot of police just would not charge someone for possession of marijuana. I don't know if you know that. You probably heard of it or saw it. Probably for 10 or 15 years before the legalization of marijuana, police just did not lay charges. If you had a marijuana joint on you, they maybe took it and threw it in the gutter, but they would not charge you. They would, they would lay the odd charge, but only if it was just, if they were charging you for five other things, they would throw that on top. There really were no prosecutions in this entire country of just someone found with a marijuana joint on them. And that, that's probably good policy when you think of how minor and modest a, uh, a violation of the, of the law it was. And, uh, and I don't even know if that law had strong political support. So that was a political decision by police not to lay charges or not to issue tickets or charges, and by prosecutors not to prosecute. So it was a political discretion not to move on marijuana users. So Danielle Smith is saying, well, we can use that same political discretion, for example, not to enforce Trudeau's gun grab. We can just say we're not going to make that a policing priority for the province of Alberta, and we control the prosecutors, so we're just going to do that. Um, I mean, yeah, throw Danielle Smith's tweet up on the screen just to show um, what she meant. Uh, is there some volume there you can throw uh, some providing volume the revenue there? to the rest of the country and we should just shut up and take whatever policies they jam down our throats. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to assert our rights under the Constitution and push back. The reason we need the Alberta Sovereignty Act is really to just assert that the Constitution matters. I mean, I, I think that the federal government launched us into a constitutional crisis in November of 2015 when they told us that we wouldn't be allowed to sell our resources. The, the, the Constitution gives us the sovereign right to develop our resources, as well as a whole variety of areas that we have exclusive jurisdiction over. And the Charter of Rights and Freedoms says that the rights and freedoms of our citizens are paramount. We know we have jurisdiction over health, over property and civil rights, but we also have special recognition that we have the exclusive right to develop our resources. And that is where Ottawa keeps on uh, invading our turf. And that's why we have to push them back and say that we are going to defend the Constitution against their intrusion. This latest move by the Environment Minister to tell us we have to shut down half of our development of our energy industry within eight years, 
we, people want to see us push back and push back hard. And that's what the Alberta Sovereignty Act would do. It would give us the tools to say that Ottawa has no business invading our provincial jurisdiction. You know, the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, I think people thought that that was going to be used to stop development. There are a hundred Indigenous leaders that have oil and gas resources, and they want to use that declaration to enforce their right to make their decisions to develop. And so I think there's an enormous partnership that we can do with our First Nations communities for economic reconciliation, to partner with them on projects, to make sure that First Nations... We don't need to see more, but yeah, so here's a prospective leader of the new UCP, the United Conservative Party. Uh, she seems to be in the lead. It's, it's hard to tell because, you know, it's not mass voting it's just anyone who's a member of the party but she seems to be doing well i i've seen a number of debates she seems to have the support of much of the crowd uh she dominates the media coverage all the other candidates are turning their guns on her that tells me that she's the one to beat i could be wrong um she has this proposal it sounded fairly reasonable to me i mean it sounds like an alberta first point of view, which is not much different than a Quebec first point of view, that not just the Parti Québécois proposed, but every party basically has adopted the Quebec first approach to that province. So to sum up, I'm coming to my point now. The truckers got rid of Jason Kenney. They were the final spark that just threw him out because of his abuse of the pastors. There's a leadership, there's seven candidates to vie as his successor. You just saw the leading one, Danielle Smith. You saw probably the second placer, Travis Taves, the Sky Palace guy. You saw the keystone promise of Danielle Smith. She uh, wants that sovereignty to act to fill up the room in the Constitution. She phrases it as using the Constitution, respecting the Constitution, taking powers from the Constitution that are appropriately that of the province. So she's phrasing it. Uh, now, it's tough to know because the bill isn't written yet, but I would imagine it would be drafted by legislative council. You know, uh, politicians don't typically handwrite their own laws. They consult with government lawyers to do it. Now, you can agree with this or disagree with this. You could... Uh, if you disagree with it, by the way, can you please explain why it's fine for Quebec but not fine for Alberta? Do me that one kind favor. Anything you criticize in her sovereignty act, can you do the same for Quebec? Especially if you're someone like Jason Kenney who's always had his eye on the prize in Ottawa. Can you explain why the sovereignty act is a very, 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 very bad idea in Alberta but a very, very, very necessary idea for Quebec? Help me out on that one. Now, Jason Kenney doesn't like this, and he doesn't like Danielle Smith, and he hates the idea that he built this party. He fused the Wild Rose and the PC party together just a few years ago, and now he's being kicked out of it. It's being taken over by some person who is a lesser than him in his own mind. So look at this. Here's a story. Uh, Canadian Press. This is uh, Jason Kenney attacks cockamamie. Alberta Sovereignty Act proposal defends Lieutenant Governor. It would put the lieutenant governor in a very awkward position for the legislator to pass a law saying that we'll not enforce the laws. Oh, is that what it says? Because I haven't seen the text of it. Let's read a little bit here. Premier Jason Kenney is defending Alberta's lieutenant governor. That's how you pr pronounce lieutenant in Canada. I keep saying lieutenant. It's lieutenant governor. After she suggested she may not automatically pass a Sovereignty Act bill proposed by a candidate vying to replace him as a United Conservative leader. Stop there for a second. Why are you talking about this? She's not the leader. She's not even in the legislature. She's a private person who wants to be premier. They haven't had the vote yet. 
the Sovereignty Act has not been written yet, and you're the lieutenant governor, which is the, the governor general's deputy in the provinces, and the governor general herself is a deputy of the queen. So you're the queen's representative, Queen Elizabeth II. Your only job is to do the queen's bidding. And you're weighing in, not even on a bill, a proposed bill, not even a proposed bill, a proposed bill proposed by someone who's not even in the legislature, who's not, you're mouthing off about, you're the, has the queen in her entire life ever done that herself? And your own, the only reason we know your name as lieutenant governor is because the queen uh, needs a representative in this province. That is your only job. It's like you're the queen's lawyer. But you've got strong opinions on this, do you? Let me keep reading. Kenny characterized it as cockamamie, illegal, and a recipe for business and investment to flee a province no longer committed to the rule of law. Really, because I thought that, that Justin Trudeau already took care of that by banning four pipelines, uh, Northern Gateway, Keystone Excel, Energy East, and Trans Mountain. Seems like he already managed to, to kick out. I mean, are, what's going to happen if Danielle Smith um, in, wins and introduces the Sovereignty Act? Is that going to cancel a pipeline maybe? Which pipelines are going to ca- uh, uh, cancel? Northern Gateway? Energy East? Keystone XL? Trans Mountain? Tell me which pipeline is going to cancel. Let me keep reading. Legal scholars and politicians, well, I'm very interested in what they have to say, uh, including Kenny and government house leader Jason Nixon, have sharply criticized the plan and questioned whether it even passed the legislature. Okay, well, that's, that, that's sort of uh, how we do things. We put it to a vote. Lieutenant Governor Salma Lakani, when asked by reporters Thursday whether she would pass Smith's proposal, said she would not prejudge it, but that she has a duty to ensure any bill she signs into law follows the Constitution. Lakani was asked, un- and then here's Kenny describing him. Lakani was asked unprompted questions by media. I'm sure she was. And I think she gave general answers about her duties as Lieutenant Governor that if she faces something problematic, she would take on expert advice and consider all constitutional principles, Kenny told Edmonton radio station Ched. Now, do we have uh, the actual words that Lakani used? Because I think she went much further, actually. Um, well, why was she talking about it at all? And Jason Kenny met with her, I understand, earlier that day. Imagine the chutzpah saying, oh, yeah, she was totally unprompted. Um, it was unprompted that I met with her earlier in the day and unprompted that journalists asked her. Completely unprompted. What a bunch of wicked liars. Um. Here's the thing about that. Let's say that this Sovereignty Act, which has not been written by Danielle Smith, who has not won the leadership, who is not an MLA yet. Let's say it's unconstitutional. You know, there's a lot of unconstitutional laws in Canada, including quite a few that Jason Kenney uh, and his crew (laughs) invoked uh, during the lockdowns. I know this because the Alberta Court of Appeal just a few months ago, ruled a whole bunch of Jason Kenney's health orders and court orders to be unconstitutional. So what do we do when the government, like Jason Kenney's government, Travis Tave's government, what, what do we do when they do unconstitutional things? Well, you, you go to court, and the Alberta Court of Appeals struck down the Alberta government's approach, at 3-0, by the way, it was unanimous, as unconstitutional. So the first thing you do is you have a vote in the legislature. If it doesn't pass, the whole question's moot. The second thing is, if it's unconstitutional, 
you go to court and say, Judge, I think it's unconstitutional because of, it violates this section of the Constitution. And then the government of Alberta sends its best lawyers and whoever's challenging it sends their best lawyers and they duke it out in an open court with experts, with rules of procedure and a neutral uh, third party, typically the Supreme Court of Canada, with nine judges weighs in on the matter and hopefully they're wise when they do it. And I know this is how it happens because it's happened to Alberta before. In the 1930s, Bill Eberhardt was a conservative populist radical premier who was so frustrated with um, Ottawa's approach to the Great Depression. Um, oh, you know what? I think we have some of Salma Lakani's actual comments. Let's put those up. Proposed Sovereignty Act will be scrutinized before given royal assent, says Alberta Lieutenant Governor. And there she is there. She's a major liberal donor, I forgot to mention to you, which is how she got the job. Alberta Lieutenant Governor Samuel County says her office would independently evaluate whether a proposed Alberta Sovereignty Act was constitutional before signing it into law. Her remarks come blah, blah, blah. County said Thursday her constitutional role is the most important part of her job. This is where we keep checks and balances, she told reporters at an unrelated event outside the Alberta legislature. I'm what I would call a constitutional fire extinguisher. We don't have to use it a lot, but sometimes we do have to use it. Really? Thanks very much. So, um... She's the constitutional fire extinguisher. Now, she's not a lawyer. She's not a judge. She's not a senior judge. She's not nine senior judges. And she, and she has taken it upon herself to be a fire extinguisher, implying that this bill is some act of constitutional arson and that Danielle Smith, a partisan politician, is an arsonist. Don't worry, I'm here to put out any fires that she starts. But I'm not going to meddle. <laughs> well, you already did, sister. So, uh, as I was saying, when Bill Eberhardt uh, introduced a raft of laws in the 1930s, because Alberta was under tremendous strain because of the Great Depression and because of the Eastern banks and Eastern policies and because of the global econo economy. So they had reached for desperate remedies. And one of them was they invented a kind of funny money, it was called, called social credit. And, and it was like coupons and stickers, and you'd collect them all, and it would be a, like a kind of money. It would be a kind of legal currency. It was called social credit because that's where the credit came from. The, like it was their attempt to figure out monetary policy, and it was their attempt to understand, well, why don't we just start spending money again? Why are we so poor? Why don't, hey, if you spend that money with him, and then he spends that money with you, and the money goes around, we start, like it was their attempt and I don't think it was particularly sound, their, their grasp on economic or monetary policy or even what money is. And it was a bit of a failure. It was such a desperate, desperate approach by Bible Bill Eberhardt, who had about as much training as a lawyer as Salma Lakani did. Um, so it was passed into law. I think, I, I think um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the law was. Yeah, show, show Bible Bill. There's, there he is, and he campaigned on this idea called social credit. And, um, you know, his critics called it, you can see detractors called it funny money. Social credit treats the cause of our present difficulty. Probably no subject has pressed itself upon the consciousness of the people uh, of this province and of other parts of the world like that of social credit. From north to south, from east to west, no matter where you go, you can hear it discussed on every hand. 
The fact alone should challenge the interest of the intelligent citizens of this province. And they talk about dividends and like they, they try to invent this whole parallel scheme, the four steps. Like, it, like I think it gets a little bit goofy. Um, a commission would be appointed consisting of expert members from every trade calling a profession to investigate carefully the price spread in our province and fix the just price for goods and services. So it's total pricing control. Like it was, it was a terrible idea. But people were so desperate, and the official answer givers in Ottawa and Toronto did not have a good answer. The just price. Can you imagine saying, well, that's the just price. How much is a haircut? $20. No, no. The just price is $16 or $25. It's not what the... Like, so it was a kind of statism, a kind of authoritarianism combined with funny money. Uh, frankly, a terrible idea. But people reach for terrible ideas when the entire establishment fails them as it did. So did the lieutenant governor block, I forget what the bank act or I forget the social credit, I forget what they call No, they did not. It went up to the Supreme Court and both sides argued it out and it was struck down, as were other laws by Bill Aberhood. He had a terrible censorship law called the Press Act. Can you believe it? One of the, one of the aspects of this law was that any newspaper in Alberta had to by command of the premier, run a rebuttal in the newspaper, rebutting something the newspaper said, basically turning every newspaper into a CBC. And the Edmonton Journal took that all the way to the court. Edmonton Journal won a special Pulitzer Prize for fighting against the Press Act. What is my point? We have unconstitutional laws in Canada every day. We labor under unconstitutional laws while we wait for our courts to wake up and free us. Our Supreme Court has yet to hear a single constitutional challenge to the lockdowns. It's been two years and our lazy court hasn't even heard one of them. So yeah, I'm saying the courts are a problem. But you don't just have lieutenant governors saying, I don't like that law, I don't like that law. Um, I'm not a lawyer myself, I'm certainly not a judge. I talked to some guy and he got me all revved up and I am the fire extinguisher and I'm banning that and I'm banning that and I'm banning that because did you not know I'm new your emperor, I'm your emperor queen. I'm not actually the queen. Queen Elizabeth II is in London right now and if she were to actually know what I was doing, she would be appalled. But I'm the fire extinguisher. Damn it, pay attention to me. Who the hell are you, Salman Lakani? So she has shat the bed, my friends. She has messed up. I don't think she's actually derailed the leadership race. If anything, she proves that Danielle Smith has a tiger by the tail. She proves that Danielle Smith is onto something that the establishment does not like at all. I, I don't think that's going to hurt Danielle Smith's candidacy. I think the people who are voting for her despise the establishment, despise the obvious collusion between Jason Kenney, Samuel Lacan, the CBC, and Ju uh, Justin Trudeau, who appointed her. I think what they're doing is actually not hurting Danielle Smith, but hurting the monarchy. And what a shame that it was a hand-picked appointee by Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau appointed Sama Lakani, a major donor to Trudeau. And look at her repay the favor by attacking a politician. Have you ever in your entire life seen Queen Elizabeth attack any politician, including those who, did, who needed an attack? Did you ever hear her weigh in on a, on a bill or a law? Did you ever hear her say, I'm ready with a fire extinguisher to put out the fire that that fire starter is going to cause? Have you ever heard the queen say such a thing? Of course you haven't. Um, if she ever would do such a thing, she would cease to be the queen. She would become just a, 
a partisan, loser, hack, lowly nobody. Her job is to be above the fray, not in the fray. We made a little video on Thursday or Friday about this. Let me show it to you. It's by our Celine Glass, one of our reporters in Calgary. Here, take a look at this. Connie was sworn in as Alberta's lieutenant governor. It's really a ceremonial role, a mark of tradition and continuation in our parliamentary democracy. I, Salma Lakani, do swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada, her heirs and successors. So help me God. It's not a partisan job, it's in fact completely the opposite. She is the representative of the Queen. And like the Queen, she is to remain aloof and above partisan politics. She opens schools, goes to events, swears in ministers, reads the speech from the throne. Written for her by someone else to lay out the elected government's plans for the next session of the legislature. She gives laws passed democratically in the legislature, what's called a royal assent, a ceremonial duty to officially bring into law bring law into force. She does not approve laws, she does not vet them. Democratically elected MLAs in Alberta do that because we can hold them to account for both the good and the bad and if a law is illegal or unconstitutional there is recourse. Challenge the law in court. A judge can rule if a law is illegal. The LG, it's not her job and it's never been her job. That's why it was so shocking to see this the other day. Proposed Sovereignty Act would be scrutinized before given royal assent, says Alberta Lieutenant Governor Salma Lakanis. Comments come as UCP leadership contender proposes contentious legislature. Okay, let's stop right here. Let me tell you what the Sovereignty Act is. It's a law proposed by Danielle Smith, the front runner. Anyway, she goes on there. That's a report by Celine Glass. Um, we have a petition. SalmaMustResign.com she must resign. How many people have signed that petition? 5,445. I think we need more than that. Why must she resign? Is she should she resign because she opposes Danielle Smith? Well, she should resign because she's political at all. Oppose Danielle Smith. Promote Danielle Smith. Oppose Jason Kenney. Oppose, you know, propose or oppose any, any law. It's not that she's a diehard Trudeau liberal. It's that she's expressing any view at all. She's meddling in the legislature. She's turning her office into a partisan thing. She's disgraced the office and herself. She can never be trusted again. How could you ever trust her again now that she's shown what she's made of? This is a constitutional crisis not created by the Sovereignty Act, which hasn't even been written yet, let alone introduced or passed. This is a constitutional crisis by the lame duck Premier Jason Kenney taking a parting shot at his likely successor and Justin Trudeau's hand-picked lieutenant governor. They are destroying the province of Alberta's institutions. If they don't get to run them, well, damn it, no one will. Go to SalmaMustResign.com. I think you should sign that if you care about the separation between the queen and our politics. All right, my friends, it's great to chat with you today. It's 1240. I'm going to get out of this chair and turn it over to my colleagues. Um, I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, um, enjoy my friends. I think Sheila and David are in the chair today. And let me leave you with a trailer for our upcoming documentary called Trucker Rebellion, Convoy to Ottawa. And right after that, Sheila and David are going to take over.
We started off this convoy calling it Taking Back Our Freedoms. But our freedoms are nobody's to take away. So we're going to restore everybody's freedoms. People came here wanting to only do a day, and uh, the word with all the truckers is they're now staying for many days. You know, like a lot of people now are planning on days and days in Ottawa. So we are here to end the mandate. I am not leaving. Uh, we get what we want. We're not going to give up. I'm on lunch. I could be on lunch a long, long time. We're here for all Albertans, Canadians. We're here fighting for the freedoms of not us, but our kids, our grandkids, the future of this province, this country. We are prepared to put everything on the line. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views. I've also received reports uh, in the last hour of people uh, allied with the protesters assaulting RCMP officers. No, that was an assault between the two, two, two civilians, between a protester and a civilian. So Jason Kenney's statement was not true at, at the press release. I can tell you what I just told you, sir. They have just blocked the border here in Coots, Alberta to Sweetgrass, Montana. We don't want to put anybody's livelihood in jeopardy. That is the very last resort. But this is something I don't, well, I've certainly never seen before. Freedom and peace and loving. That's the Canadian way. It's not like CBC or any of these other mainstream news channels are making it out to be. I am not a white supremacist. We're not backing down until the mandates are lifted. We have, this is our only battle we have. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the second half of the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, September 6, 2022. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know, folks, today is National Anti-Procrastination Day? And I was going to reach out to my friend and tell her how much I like her, but I'm putting that off to next week. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is the one and only Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I had muted myself because I was on the line <laughs> watching Ezra's show. 
before we got on and I kind of tried to didn't want my comments to invade his uh, his stream there, but I'm doing great. Um, speaking of procrastination, who's got time to procrastinate? Um, <laughs> Olivia, can you can you tell us uh, how long we're going today? I I know we only have like 15 minutes left in the show normally. I'm not sure, but Sheila, in the cosmic okay. fluke so- department, and when it comes to procrastination. Um, I'm not going to say what the assignment is. I don't want to, um, you know, give the spoiler out. But I was to go to a specific Toronto District School Board school today to do streeters after school. And I was just talking to our ace cameraman, Maurizio, and I was just checking where the school is, the proper address. Sheila, I am not making this up. No Toronto District School Boards are open today because... The teachers are taking a PA day. A PA, I think that means procrastination advance. They've had the whole summer off, two and a half months. And today, the first day of school, school's canceled because they need a PA day. Sheila, I swear I'm not making this up. I I can't believe it. My kids went back to school last week, (laughs) um, which doesn't make any sense because like they go, they started in the middle of the week, like Wednesday. And then then they go to school for like two or three days because the first day is a complete and total write-off. And then it's the long weekend, and then you have them back. Why not start them after the long weekend? Like, what are you doing? Uh, It's astonishing. So we have to delay the assignment uh, till tomorrow uh, because (laughs) nobody's at school. (laughs) Just wow. Talk about procrastination on anti-procrastination day. Yeah, oh. fight procrastination day. There's a, it's a, there's also like a, a great egg toss day. Seems like a waste of eggs. Telephone Tuesday. Do people actually use like phones anymore? Oh, I the have only a person who, uh, We don't. I don't even have the wires into my house. <laughs> but the only person who calls me is Ezra. That's it. The everybody else is just they send a text message they know, but the only person who actually like picks up the phone and calls is Ezra Lamant. We're afraid of you, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We should get into the news of the day though, because yeah. out here on the prairies, uh, we had a little bit of a different weekend experience, long weekend experience than the rest of you. By the way, while the rest of you are still calling it Labor Day, I don't know. I like to say to honor the worker, but the unions have sort of co-opted it as their special day. Um, uh, even though they have May Day in Alberta, it's called Alberta Day, and it celebrates Alberta culture, heritage, all those good things I about love us. It. But so, one of the last good things Jason Kenny did on his way out the door was to snatch <laughs> Labor Day away from the unions, who already have their Marxist May Day thing, majigger. So, anyways, but out here on the prairies. We were basically inundated with emergency alerts on our phone because there were two people on the loose. One, thankfully, is dead now. Um, They had, I think it was last, I saw 10 dead and I think, no, 11, sorry, people were killed. And 19 injured on the James Smith Cree Nation in Weldon, Saskatchewan. Among the dead was Sanderson's brother, Damien. Um, so there's two people, although it says they're not brothers. It was Miles Sanderson and James Sanders. No, sorry. Miles and doesn't say. Uh, Miles Sanderson and Damien Sanderson, although they're not brothers. So I suspect they're probably cousins. 
they went on a murder spree across multiple locations. Uh, police are saying some of it was targeted, but some of it was completely random. They had no idea where these guys were. But the thing is, seven months ag ago, before the mass killing, so in and around the time that the RCMP were focusing on people who may have donated to the convoy as the greatest threat to Canadians, um, Seven months ago, before the mass killing in rural Saskatchewan, a parole official ruled that the key suspect did not pose a danger and that releasing him would help him become a law-abiding citizen. Funny, they never say those things about people like Tamara Leach uh, or Pastor Art Polosky, for that matter. Uh, a parole board of Canada decision dated February 1st found that Miles Sanderson would not present an undue risk and freeing him would contribute. Okay, this is crazy. Freeing him would contribute to the protection of society by facilitating his reintegration. The board is satisfied that your risk is manageable in the community. If you live with your, and then they redacted the name, maintain sobriety and employment and continuing with developing supports, including uh, getting therapy. It sounds like shortly after his release, he sort of went off the radar, quit checking in with his uh, parole I don't know, parole officer. And then that was it. His parole records. So this guy gets released. Tamara Leach gets held behind bars. But his parole records recount almost two decades of crime, as well as drug and alcohol abuse and associations with gang members, pimps, and drug dealers. And, Fascinating. And, and Sheila, that is the point of the story. Aside from the horrible rampage these people went on including miles sanderson is that how is it that and i think i heard his number of offenses was over 50 i believe maybe 59 we can just, 59, 59 be between age 18 and 31 and lord knows what his youth record looks like and these were violent offenses often done when he was completely intoxicated i don't know if that means if he was drunk or high on drugs the point is, Sheila, how the hell is this guy walking the streets? I mean, this is an absolute egregious outrage. When you got that kind of record and somehow these jabronis on the parole board say, you know what? We're going to roll the dice. And that's another problem, Sheila. Not Where just roll the dice. By letting them out, they argued that society would be safer. How? He would learn how to integrate this guy with this many convictions, 59 between ages 18 and 31. What do you got to do to become a dangerous offender in this country? Where was the the prosecutor has to propose that this guy is a dangerous offender? What prosecutor dropped the ball and didn't? Well, wait a minute, Sheila. Dangerous offender, nothing. Uh, why isn't he serving time for all those crimes committed Forget about because it's it's hard in this country to get the den dangerous offender uh, label linked onto you. There, you know, but just based on the facts of the crimes this man committed, why is he walking the streets? It, it, that doesn't make any sense to me, Sheila. Because we have a light on crime approach in this country, unless you are a, someone who minds their own business and owns firearms legally. We know that the liberals, they are lowering the mandatory minimums or eliminating them altogether on certain gang related and gun offenses. So if you are a gangbanger or a recidivist criminal out there who is robbing people, shooting up playgrounds, trafficking in guns, 
you actually are going to be uh, getting out of jail a little bit sooner than you thought you would be. The mandatory minimums, I think, are lowered or eliminated altogether. That's what the liberals are doing. While creating a whole other class of gun criminal, people like me. Yeah, no, that is a horrible factor as well, Sheila. But I want to get back to the fact of how the parole board came up with this decision. Um, and I think one of the failings is that if you're on the parole board and you screw up, and this is in the department of screwing up royally, there's no repercussions. Nobody on that board is going to be docked a single day salary. No one's going to be suspended. No one's going to be fired. They're going to just shrug their shoulders and go, well, it looked it looked good on paper, I guess, much like the 71 Ford Pinto. Uh, so, uh, you know, no harm. Next case, please. Oh, who do we have here? Uh, oh, Paul Bernardo. Actually, he is one yeah. of the few Canadians. Mulca got a pardon. So, yeah. yeah, but, you know, we and then again, we do live in a nation where um, when you elevate the murder to the level of terrorism, and I'm talking about our homegrown Al-Qaeda kid, Omar Khadr, not only do you get out, not only do you um, get to avoid the no-fly list and you can fly off anywhere, you get an eight-figure paycheck from the Justin Trudeau liberals. And so whoever the hell coined the phrase, crime doesn't pay, they must have been intoxicated at the time, Sheila. You know, let me just continue to read from this Global News article because it is astounding, his latest convictions. Again, why didn't a prosecutor apply for dangerous offender status? This guy was an obvious problem waiting for a place to happen. He was already terrorizing uh, everybody around him. It was only yeah. a matter of time. But You know, that's the thing about all these school shootings and stuff and people who go on these like killing sprees. Nobody ever says... He was a nice guy who just snapped and I never saw any of it coming. Everybody always says total weirdo, total maniac. Um, it was only a matter of time before somebody before he went on this killing spree, school shooting, whatever. It's always that. So why aren't they acting to do something about these people beforehand? And I'm not saying convict people of pre-crimes, but earlier intervention when you see somebody with a clear history of violence like this with criminal convictions. Charges. Maybe. Uh, look at this. His most recent convictions were for assault, assault with a weapon, assaulting a police officer, uttering threats, mischief and robbery. All from, I think, one incident, by the way, according to parole records. So the, this what evidence was before the parole board in June 2017. OK, so this is only five years out. So he's granted parole after less than five years. You know what? It's got to be sooner than that because it, let's say it takes 18 months to get to trial from June 2017. So let's say it's 2019. And for all of this, he's granted parole in 2021, early 2021. So what did he spend? Two and a half years in jail for this after a history of violence? According to parole records obtained in by Global News in July 2017, Sanderson showed up at an ex-girlfriend's house, Jeez. acted in a threatening manner, oh. made comments about a gang and damaged property. While the children hid in the bathtub, he punched a hole in the bathroom door before going outside and throwing a cement block through the side window of a car. He fled before the police arrived. And then uh, days later, so he was on a rampage then when he did this. 
Days later, during an argument with an employee at a First Nations band store, Sanderson tried to fight the victim, then threatened to murder him and burn down his parents' house. Again, police could not find him. In 2017, he threatened an accomplice, hitting him in the head with a firearm and stomping on his head. Then he made the accomplice rob a fast food restaurant with a firearm. Parole boards indicate. Why wasn't this guy charged with kidnapping also? You know, the, wait, Sheila. there's more. David, oh, wait, there's so, more. Of course. <laughs> then the following April, while drinking at a home, he stabbed two men with a fork. Then he went outside and beat a victim who lost consciousness in a ditch. Sanderson returned to the home and kicked in the door. He was finally arrested. So I bet he only served two years for all of this. He was finally arrested in June 2018 after telling police they would have to shoot him. So he obviously does not fear his own death here. As he was being put in the police car, he kicked an officer in the face and head repeatedly. His prison sentence for this rampage totaled four years, four months, and 19 days, along with 12 months of probation. But he was then released in February 2021, transferred to a healing lodge, um, and then freed August 2021 on statutory release. Well, Sheila, there's two things here. One is the complete disrespect the justice system has for victims. Imagine you being that mother with the children hiding in the bathtub and you go, oh, my God, what a harrowing experience. But thank God they caught him. He'll be they'll throw away the key on this guy. Oh, no, they won't. No, they won't. He'll be back and back to probably carry out even more revenge thinking you might have had something to do with calling the police. That's the one thing, again, the complete utter disrespect of victims that get re-victimized. And the second thing, when you mentioned the Healing Lodge, let's not forget, this is an example of a race-based justice system we have in Canada. I'm not throwing all Healing Lodge cases uh, out the window. Um, I think there's a difference, though, Sheila, if you're caught shoplifting, if you're caught stealing a car versus, oh, I don't know, attempted murder, torture, stabbing people. I mean, that is, I'm sorry, I think that's beyond the bailiwick of a healing lodge. That, to me, screams maximum penitentiary. And this guy should never have been out. Uh, And like I said at the beginning, forget about calling him a dangerous offender. All those things you described, Sheila, that surely adds up to decades worth of incarceration. But no, it's two years here, four years here. You're out in good behavior, reduced sentence. What an absolute sham this is. Not only that, these horrible offenders know what a cozy ride those healing lodges are. Remember when Tory Stafford's killer, Mm. Terry Lynn McClintock, white lady, she made an application to try to get transferred to a healing lodge. Do you remember the story of uh, yeah. Tori Stafford? I mean, it just, I can't even talk about it as a mother. It's horrible. Um, it, it, just horrific. She's the one who, she is the Carla Homolka in this. I think these two, by the way, um, would have been serial killers had they not been caught on the first go round because they had the makings of a predatory relationship. The woman gets the child and the man does horrible things to the child and then kills Indeed. her with a rock um, and buries her under a rock pile in my mom's hometown, by the way. But um, 
Wow. She tried yeah. to she she tried to get transferred to a healing lodge. Yeah. Um just because she knows it's an easy ride. It like yeah. it's much easier than gen pop when you're a child killer. Um so there's that too, but as a rural person, constantly getting these alerts to my phone when the police are, you know, half an hour away. Um Justin Trudeau had some advice for me earlier in the year. Um, and I know that Olivia has that clip thrown up. So I'm a half an hour from cops. There are people on a MERS ramp and all across the prairies. We're getting this message saying, we don't know where these guys are. Uh, take extra precautions, lock your doors, be aware. Um, but Justin Trudeau says that I can't defend myself. So maybe uh, Olivia can roll that clip. And we have a, a, a culture where the difference is guns can be used for hunting or for sport shooting in Canada. And there are lots of gun owners and they're mostly law respecting and, and, and law abiding. But you can't use a gun for self-protection in Canada. That's not a right that you have in the Constitution or anywhere else. If you try and buy a gun and say it's for self-protection, no, you don't get that. You get it for hunting. You can get it for sport shooting. Take it to the range. Uh, no problem, as long as you go through our rigorous background checks. But there's a difference around the culture. And one of the things that we're yeah. seeing with the debate in the States is you get more and more of the American-style, you know, right-to-carry, self-defense arguments filtering up through, through the... Uh, you know, the, the usual more right-wing communications channel. Um, Sheila, when he says, no, you don't get that right, meaning to have he a gun. He gets it. Yes, exactly. He has that right times six with his security detail, all of whom are armed. And sometimes when he doesn't like questions, he weaponizes his security detail, not necessarily with their guns, but with their fists, as you saw what happened to me last December. What a bloody hypocrite. As, you know, think of Justin Trudeau. If he didn't have that privilege, if he didn't have that wealth, if he didn't have that title, he was just Joe Blow Justin, and he was living in a dangerous area, would he be so... In, I don't even know what the word is, um, tone deaf, I guess, to say you don't need a gun for uh, protection when the when the gangbangers are shooting up his house. What a disgrace this man is. Practically speaking, what that means is when I'm home alone with my two daughters because my husband is away at work and I've got my headphones in because I'm preserving vegetables um, because I'm just over those tomato plants. But anyway, um, if a murderer comes into my yard, I have no means by which to defend myself quickly. I have to engage in hand-to-hand -hand combat, according to Justin Trudeau, with a murderer. Now, he hasn't ruled out the fact that I could potentially put a broadhead into this guy's gut. But it's a lot easier and more effective to shoot uh, someone trying to kill you, especially yeah. when you're my size. And these are guys who have served hard time in prison. But self-defense is only for fancy people who can offload it onto their security guards. I cannot take those same means by which to preserve my own life as he does. Yeah, and it's a right wing thing. I, I love that too. Yeah. You know, again, not dying, not dying at the hands of a murderer is a, it's a right wing thing. Thanks, yeah. Justin. Again, demonizing half the country, probably more than half when you look at the percentage of the votes, even though I know our system doesn't work that yeah. way when it comes to forming yeah. government. But you know something, Sheila? You mark my words. If you got out your gun and you killed someone like this 
Oh, uh, well, I'd be in jail. Still, at large. <laughs> you'd be made an example of. You, mm-hmm. Even if this was a mother defending her own young children in a home invasion, and I'm sorry, when you are in your home, you know, and some liberals, I've met one, that say, well, uh, you could have run out the back door. No, no, no. When you're home, you are literally home free. There's nowhere else to run. And when the bad guys are kicking the doors down, your only resort is to respond uh, with lethal force, as far as I'm concerned, Sheila. If that happened, forget about any kind of uh, castle doctrine uh, rules. You would be made an example of. They would throw the book at you, whereas the guy doing the violence is already out on parole after having 59 previous charges. This is insane. Oh, it's even worse. It's even worse than that. Although, Jason Kenny, again, I'm saying a lot of nice things uh, about him today, but he has done a few good things that I don't disagree with. So uh, back in 2018, some suspected thieves came on to Ed Maurice's property in near Okotoks, south of Calgary. It's the dead of winter. It's February 25th. Um, Maurice fired a warning shot. I think he was at home alone with his toddler baby, by the way, and he was out in the yard farming. And... Maurice fires a warning shot at these guys, which is probably more than I would do. But anyway, fires a warning shot, low caliber rifle, by the way, a 22. He wings the thief in his arm. And from what I understand, these guys had serious uh, criminal histories. So they weren't coming there to tell you about the Lord. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) They were there to do some harm to this man and his infant child or toddler child. So he wings the guy. Guess who gets charged? Oh, I know. <laughs> Ed Maurice gets charged. Yeah. It gets better. So uh, their protests happen outside the courthouse uh, because this ignited rural people. Like, I'm just supposed to assume the benevolence of my thieves that come here. I have to assume they're just here for my TV and not my life. Thanks. Sure. No, no. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'll go to court if that's what it takes. And a lot of people were saying that. So... The poor thief requires surgery and a metal plate in his arm that causes pain and discomfort in his shoulders, head, neck, and back. He suffers, this poor man, from fatigue, insomnia, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. The thief suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, how do I know all these things about the thief and his emotional trauma? He sued Maurice. (laughs) <laughs> in court for shooting him when he was on his property to steal from him. And this was progressing through the court system until Jason Kenny said, no, if you're doing something illegal, uh, you are absolutely not. If you get hurt doing something illegal, like attempting to rob a farmer and he shoots you, you don't get to sue the farmer. Sorry. So um, he he actually, Jason Kenny, to his credit, he donated to the Ed Maurice Defense Fund And he changed the law so that these criminals cannot continue to enrich themselves from their victims through lawsuits. You know what, Sheila? The only more egregious story I ever heard on this um, vein, it was more than 20 years ago. Hopefully I can remember. It was either Nova Scotia or New Brunswick. I think it was New Brunswick. And it was a postal sorting station. And these two employees had a falling out. And one of them came to the uh, post office with a sawed-off shotgun to kill him. And by a cosmic fluke, 
his target had booked off sick that day. So he's walking around. Everyone's hiding with the sawed-off shotgun. You know, where's Smith? Where's Smith? The, um, uh, the, the SWAT team basically have to take him out. He survives. Um, if you can imagine, in the aftermath, uh, Canada Post, of course, fires this employee. <laughs> and the Canadian Union of Postal Workers files a grievance. Why are you firing him without a hit? So, and, and, and keep in mind, Sheila, his intended victim was also a union member. Imagine if that was you. It's like, wait a minute. You're <laughs> I was the intended target. You're going to bat for the guy that wanted to kill me and I'd be dead if I weren't sick that day? That's the only thing this story comes close to in terms of who's the offender and who's the victim. I should read just a little bit more of this because it's so outrageous. Then I know, Olivia, you need us to go to an ad break. So I'll finish this. We'll go to the ad break. So the suit against this poor farmer who winged him, winged him with a low caliber rifle, by the way, um, a gopher gun. That's what he got winged with. So I'm, I have zero sympathy for this guy to start with. But the suit alleges that Maurice was negligent for firing the gun without consideration for others in the area. Oh, so the, the criminal is worried about everybody's safety and for failing to exhaust reasonable and less violent options. Wow. Including calling the police or shouting a warning at him. <laughs> Watson is seeking damages for pain, suffering, and lost income. What? So when he was in the hospital, he wasn't able to get out and rob more people? Um, I, I just blows my mind. He's loss of a income. Warning. What income? You're trying to rob the man. God. What? Sheila, it reminds me of that great James Cameron movie, Aliens from 1986. And, you know, when the colonial Marines go into the hive and it's noticed by Ripley that the reactor is right in the shooting zone and an errant round could set off a chain reaction. And the commanding officer tells all the colonial Marines to holster their weapons. And one of the colonial Marines says, hey, Sarge, what are we supposed to use? Harsh language, right? Yeah. And that's what they're saying. Shoo. You get out of here, burglars. Get along. Get, get, Unbelievable. Get. It's not the squirrel that bothers me on my step. These are burglars. You don't know if they're armed or not. Like, get out of here. That's what you're supposed to do? Call the police? They're 45 minutes away. I shouldn't be laughing at this, but the only other emotion is imagine, crying. And I don't want to imagine, though, this is the thief telling, giving you advice about how to get rid of them. Yeah. Sure. Sure thing. Okay, let's do that ad break before yes. Olivia loses her mind with us. Beautiful merchandise for sure, Sheila. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know if there's anything more to be said about this uh, insanity that is happening with this uh, Saskatchewan suspect. Um, but, uh, Sheila, I'll give the last word to you. 
Uh, I really, you know, I just, I, I am so shocked that, you know, the disconnect between what it's like to be a rural person and the city people who are making the rules for us. There are a lot of people who probably over the last three days would love to have been sitting on their front porch with a shotgun, um, willing to put the prairies out of their misery and terror. But thanks to Justin Trudeau, we cannot, or we will be the ones going to jail or, you know, in the, the case of Eddie Maurice getting sued by the criminal. Incredible. Well, um, continuing the theme of insanity, um, Here's an item, Sheila. Canada State Broadcaster interviews oh, the WEF's managing director, WEF, of course, meaning World Economic Forum, to attack Pierre Polyev's comments calling out the elite gathering, quote, Canadians shouldn't be really talking about the WEF. There oh, are okay. bigger issues, <laughs> end quote, while adding that it's, what, anti-Semitic to denounce the WEF? What? How do you connect those dots, Sheila? This is just like the criminal <laughs> who said, you know what you should have done to get rid of me? Just <laughs> or call the cops and wait. Like, sorry, but if I were a chicken, I wouldn't be taking advice from the fox. And this is exactly what's happening here. Like they're saying, uh, you know what? If you were a sinister shadow government looking to control everybody, including what they eat and how they live and the size of the houses they live in, wouldn't you be saying nothing to worry about over here? Like the greatest trick the devil pulled is convincing people he doesn't exist. That's what is happening here. But it's they go to the WEF and say, hey, are you bad guys? And the WEF goes, no, totally. We're nice. Don't worry about it. But they never like interview the World Economic Forum skeptics to say like, hey, why do you guys hate the World Economic Forum so much? Like, what's the deal here? They didn't do that. They just went to the World Economic Forum and did a commercial for them. But Sheila, I still don't understand. Why would it be anti-Semitic to criticize the WF as opposed to Islamophobic or anti-Black or anti-gay? <laughs> I mean, like, where, where do you connect those dots? Um, because it works on... <laughs> Other people who like if you're critical of George Soros's Open Society Foundation and how they like use their money to just pollute uh, American politics to get um, horrible uh, prosecutors in the United States elected that believe in no cash bail and releasing violent criminals, um, as is the case in California. If you're critical of George Soros, they say, ah. You're critical of him because he's Jewish and not because he's doing all these terrible things to pollute society. But, uh, frankly, I didn't even know George Soros was Jewish until it came up. Incidentally, when I had no idea. I didn't care. And it, so it works because a lot of people then say, oh, I don't want to be anti-Semitic. So I'm just going to shut my mouth about George Soros. I'll keep my opinions on him to myself. And it works there. So why not try it here? Even though Klaus Schwab, as far as I know, is not Jewish, right? I don't think he's Jewish. <laughs> I don't think so. I never, I never even worried if he was, like I never even thought about whether the man was Jewish. His religion doesn't matter. And that's the when right attitude to, to have. Crickets. Yeah. When he's telling me to eat crickets, which by the way are not kosher. 
<laughs> if yeah, you oh, care about that sort of thing. <laughs> good point. By the way, are crickets halal, Sheila, since we're bringing religion into diet? I bet they're not. <laughs> you know, I went down a real rabbit hole, by the way, when I was fasting for Lent because you don't eat meat all like you only eat meat on Sunday. And so I'm strive like I'm a carnivore, like a carnivore. And I was getting tired of eating eggs and fish, eggs and fish. And I was like, what other animals does the church classify as aquatic that are potentially not fish? Um, and I learned that I could eat an alligator <laughs> or I could eat a beaver or a muskrat because they're classified. They, they go with a fish. Uh, according to the church. So there's, you know, we all have our weird rules is all I'm saying. Oh, Sheila Gunn-Reed, there's a punchline just don't dangling over home do plate, it. but I'm self-censoring myself. Yeah, don't I don't do want it. Mr. Vice President to come in. So, At least with one of those animals, could you pick something else? <laughs> you know, this, I'm just going to try to get you back on track here. This <laughs> World Economic Forum stuff, yeah. uh, they're already proposing to CBC and Justin Trudeau, the like wink wink solution here. Like <laughs> uh, they say that during the pandemic, the world, this is the guy, the World Economic Forum spokesperson guy um, that's so that they went to to find out whether whether or not the World Economic Forum is a sinister place. Like that's like asking a vampire, like, hey, are you a vampire? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, fine. Come on in. Um, Adrian Monk, he's the managing director of the World Economic Forum. He says uh, that the Great Reset is really just an idea that grew out of the pandemic when world governments were pouring billions of dollars into keeping the economy afloat. The idea was that we should try and suggest that people that they should think about spending it on the kind of long term things that would aid climate change and would help jobs reskilling and uh, reskilling that's a good way of saying we phased out your job in the fossil fuel industry <laughs> and all the bigger long-term challenges um it's not an idea it's literally a published manifesto by klaus schwab it's his book it's called a great reset it's an idea it's like you didn't even google the phrase cbc like you you say we're not journalists, but this is the crappiest level. If somebody submitted this to me on our team and for editorial review, I'd say back out into the world and get me a proper story. Um, he also goes on to say, like I said, he's winking at the things that we should be doing. Uh, the World Economic Forum became aware that it was being targeted by state-sponsored disinformation campaigns. Oh, it's Russia. <laughs> Russia is getting me again. Uh, he said the false conspiracy theory about the World Economic Forum pursuing a new world order borrows its structure from old anti-Semitic claims about a Jewish plan for global domination. Okay, so it's your victims of anti-Semitism, even though you're not Jewish, when we say, hey, I'm pretty sure you're trying to control the world. And they're like, no, we're totally not. Um, but we do want to tell you how to live your life, what to eat and how big your house should be. He says, sadly, can this is where he's he's proposing to Justin Trudeau. You know what you need to do here? Sadly, Canada is one of those places where there's a vulnerability to disinformation. It's an open society. And wow. that particular strand of disinformation went into the mainstream. So he's telling Justin Trudeau. You got to censor these people. You are a little too open of a society and people are a little too free to say the things that we don't like, as in 
they're on to us. <laughs> so uh, he's telling Justin Trudeau, you got to censor these people. This is disinformation. Call it Russian. You guys love to do that down at the CBC. You know, when truckers gathered, that's a Russian operation. Uh, <laughs> call it Russian. See what you can get away with and shut these people up. You know, and also the subtext there, Sheila, is with all this mis misinformation, Thank God the Justin Trudeau liberals are coming up with bills that are going to censor the Internet and are going to tell you what you can and cannot say and will classify what is and what is not media. And by the way, I got to tell you, Sheila, this word, the Great Reset, talk about misinformation. There's nothing great about the reset because if the Great Reset was about you and I and our viewers uh, moving into a mansion, and getting a chauffeur-driven limo and flying around the <laughs> yeah. world in a private jet. Yeah, like Klaus Schwab and the other WEFers. Hey, where can I sign up for the Great Reset? But the Great Reset means we're going to turn a lot of you in the first world into the third world. You know, when they say, you know, Menzies, you pig eating that steak and that hamburger, don't you realize there's two billion people on the planet that uh, chow down on bugs? Uh, yeah, because they have no choice. Unfortunately, they are born into poverty. And in order to uh, go, not starve, they have to eat bugs. And yeah, we want you to give away your car for uh, to fight climate change. Uh, no, I like my car. It's the freedom machine. It's part of our culture. And when Claude Schwab starts walking uh, from you know, bistro to bistro without a chauffeur-driven limousine. Maybe then I'll consider giving up my car. Actually, I just considered. The answer is still no, even if Claude Schwab leads by example. But that's the thing, Sheila. They don't even have the decency to lead by example. It's one law for me, one law for thee. And you know what? I think some of this, like, piling people on top of each other in cities in these, like, 600-square-foot high-rise coffins that they want us all to live in, I think it's a long-term psyop on people. You know, the world is not overpopulated. The world does not have a problem sustaining all those people. Really, we don't. You know, you look how sparsely populated Canada is. But they want us all piled on top of us, uh, ourselves, in cities. And so all of a sudden you begin to think if you are in one of these cities where everyone is just condensed and then up, that there are too many people and that maybe we sh that maybe we should be eating bugs and maybe, yeah, animal agriculture is too hard on the environment. Be if you lived in a city and that's all you knew, you would think that because you just see people on top of each other just coming and going like um, like ants in a in an ant farm but once you get outside of the city you realize no that's that's a war on my mind there's lots of room for people to do things and be things and be free i think it's a long-term psyop to convince us we've got too much people on the face of the earth and, and Sheila, just before we get to our uh feedback you are really on to something important here right now if you believe these elites we have two crises happening at once no we have climate change and we have covid now Here's the question. Which one's more important? Because when it comes to COVID, getting around, what would be the most uh, hygienic and sanitized way of uh, transportation? It would be you and your family members in one personal car, not being jammed like sardines into a subway car or a bus. You would also want a single family dwelling, I should think, with lots of room around you, other than what you just described, 
towers of condos, 750 square feet, people crammed in. So, yeah, this is what I say to the elitists out there, the WEFers out there, the Klaus Schwab's out there, the Greta Thunberg's out there. Which crisis is more important? Because the way you want us to live is completely contrarian to keeping COVID-19 at bay. And I'll wait for that answer for a long, long time. Because right now, what am I hearing, Sheila? Yeah, you guessed it. Crickets. Now, yep. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to some let's, of those chats if we can. Actually, let's go to a second ad break and then let's go to the chats. Olivia, gotcha. if I put you on the spot there. Okay. My mug? I know. It's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on, and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see Freedom Focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is, without you and your generosity, there is no rebel news. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. There you go. I thought we were going to have more than one ad. You you caught me unawares there, Sheila. But anyway. you didn't read the newspaper. (laughs) I do believe we have some uh, super chats. We do. So uh, I will put on my glasses because I use them for work, not reading the newspaper and during ad breaks, David Menzies. Um, We're we're, we're getting old, Sheila. That's all I can say. Oh, I know. Uh, my prescription needs to be updated, but I can't bring myself to go to the the eye doctor to hear them say that my <laughs> eyes are getting worse. Um, so I'll just continue to struggle. AMT 60, a buck. Ezra, it's so nice to see you on the live streams as I missed you. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Did you vote for a leader in the Conservative Party leadership race? I don't think Ezra holds a membership, and I think he likes it that way. Yeah. And if we would never tell you who I, I think I know some editorial boards at other places tell you who they support. You never know who I support. You'll know who I don't, uh, but you'll never know who I support. Uh, anyways, AMT 60 says I did JT lies about everything and is a communist dictator. I can't stand him. Beswanso seven, five, three gives us 10 bucks. Well, that's generous. Thank you for all you do. I wish we could get some independent news on TV so the naysayers could see the truth. Do people even watch terrestrial TV anymore? That's a great question, Sheila. I know uh, they keep downsizing uh, both terrestrial uh, television and radio. and um, But at the end of the day, why would you? Why, they're not going to bite the hand that feeds. I mean, once in a while, they'll drop a bombshell to make it look like, you know, they're, they're watchdogs. But as our boss Ezra says, the, the, um, the watchdogs have become lapdogs under this government. It's really sad. Yeah. I think people like on demand. Like, I don't rem- remember the last time that I listened to regular old radio. I listen to satellite radio. I have the satellite radio app on my phone in case I miss something. I listen to podcasts. Likewise with TV. I don't remember the last time I flipped on a regular TV station. No, that's not true. Sometimes about once a month, I'll watch CBC. 
just to remind myself how awful it is. Because sometimes you sort of get yourself in a bubble and you're like, are they, is they, are they really that bad? <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's funny, but you say something very profound how things have changed. I remember the days, and this is going back to before even the VCR, which was a godsend, the idea that you could tape something and later watch it. Unheard of. That was like future stuff. But if something was on at Thursday at 9, you had to have your keister in the couch at 9 p.m. because, or else you're going to miss it. There was no YouTube. There yeah. was no internet. Um, like I said, this is uh, pre the VCR, which, you know, we're, so we're looking at uh, late 70s here. And you'd, and then, you know, so the audience, you, the audiences you would see back then, I think the last episode of March, I'm just going off the top of my head, uh, uh, Sheila, but the last episode of MASH, rather, was something like, I think, 38 million households in the U.S. alone tuned That's into all of that. Canada. Pardon? That's all of Canada. Like every More, man, I, woman, child, baby. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and that would be unheard of today. And they were all watching at the same time. That's the other incredible thing with time shifting, taping, you name it. It's all over the map. So the, the, the universe has really changed that way. So I... I can't remember the last time I was in front of a television to watch, say, the 6 p.m. news. Usually I'm stuck in gridlock. You know? and, and in Still that regard. better than the 6 o'clock news. Still better. You're, oh, you're doing better than sitting on your butt watching CTV. And I'll tell you another game changer, Sheila, satellite radio. Uh, I've yep. been a subscriber since uh, day one. Well, even before day one, I had a gray market satellite. Uh, so technically I was breaking the law according to the CRTC. Yeah, lock me up for life. Because when you listen to the local radio talent now, I mean, there's that oh, great terrible. quote from the late, great Dick Beddoes, the Hamilton broadcaster. If some of these cats don't get off the air soon, I'm going to stop breathing it, okay? So. Oh, I know. And they're the ones who say, like, you guys aren't real journalists. And I'm like, well, at least, at least I'm a little bit, like, interesting. I'm not even going to say that I'm entertaining, but I'm interesting. Amazing. I just, the, I don't know, the quality, chorus radio, you got to do something. <laughs> you got to do something. You're awful. Um... Okay, let's keep going. Jordan Peterson. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, yes, Alberta Dawn gives us two bucks. Jordan Peterson released a seven-minute video on YouTube entitled Global Food Crisis is Coming. He discusses food shortages as well as energy shortages worldwide. Those are all the same thing, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the energy shortage precipitates the food shortage. And in the middle, the government is doing a little something to make sure that food shortage is that much worse. And that is fighting nitrogen emissions as though farmers are just like hosing nitrogen into the atmosphere <laughs> <laughs> because fertilizer is just cheap as air right unbelievable Stupid. uh yes uh fraser mcburney two bucks uh why not declare alberta a republic and do away with the crown if it were only that simple although i think if we leave i would like to remain in the commonwealth I, I'm not sure I want to be a republic, uh, but I like tradition. I like the continuity of the tradition, which is why I'm so annoyed with our LG for her stupid political statements. I like tradition and her stupid statements turns people away from the tradition of the monarchy. 
I, I just like the continuity. I don't like to throw traditions in the garbage. Um, and But she sure is uh, a great inspiration for Republican separatists in Alberta, that's for sure. And just in case anyone's confused, uh, Sheila, when you say LG, you're not talking about half of the LGBT community, correct? Or the dishwasher. <laughs> no, I'm... <laughs> I'm talking about our lieutenant governor. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Salma Lakani, the liberal donor. Okay. Uh, from Times, gives us five bucks. How lovely to see Ezra again. Okay. <laughs> Great to you two after. Cool format. Love you. Love Rebel. Yeah, uh, people are really excited to have Ezra back, and it's good to have him just do his, like, stream of consciousness getting everything out of this out of his system you know what it's his phone calls to me on the minimum so i'm let him have that conversation with everybody else instead of me i got stuff to do yeah and listen i i recognize greatness when i see it uh, to quote the old carly simon song nobody does it better ezra is the king of this format and uh, i enjoy seeing him back too i gotta tell you I just know he's going to say something profound when he crosses his arms and then just like, like this. And I'm like, what's he going to say? Ezra's got that look in his eye. <laughs> yeah. Or when his voice gets real quiet, when he uses his sexy inside voice, you know that he's super mad. <laughs> super duper mad. Uh, King7734 gives us a buck. Is Trudeau beta going to seize our knives now? A knife grab. You know what? Don't give them ideas. They do this sort of thing in the UK. They grabbed all their guns and now they grabbed all their knives and now they're taking scissors and knitting needles and gardening tools off the ladies <laughs> on the street. And they are. I'm not even making that up. There's a police force in the UK who routinely tweets the things they've done to make their community safer. And oh. then they show pictures of like the weapons they've taken off the street. And I'm like, is that a gardening trowel? Like somebody's gonna have dandelions in their flower beds thanks to you heroes you know with these uk police how about less tweeting and more oh i don't know walking the beat and, and by the way she'll you know i no, knew... they need to walk have you seen some of them yeah well that's an issue too and i can tell you i i, I once knew someone ex-military uh i respect him greatly and he said if he was the chief of the toronto police force what he would do right off the bat sheila is put half the police cruisers uh, in the garage permanently and have coppers walk the beat. Because A, it's a sign that the cops are out there. And B, you know what? You develop relationships, you know, with the merchants, you know, with uh, people on the street. And that's old school policing before the over-reliance uh, on technology. And I'd like to see cops get back to that, Sheila. I think that's a step in the right direction by going, you know, back to uh, previous policing. Yeah, community policing is what they call it. Uh, now, Olivia whispers in my ear, we got to get moving because Ezra needs the studio. Oh. Um, and he's the boss. Uh, Adam Ottawa gives us a buck and says, uh, the Fed's hiring of Maroof, that's their uh, anti-Semitic, anti-racism uh, guy, is akin to hiring felons to teach women self-defense. It's also akin to Justin Trudeau talking about feminism after he's like Dr. Groper. So, Yeah, and, and Minister pa Pablo Rodriguez says he is not going to talk about that real anti-Semite getting government money. Just not going to talk about it. Discussion's ah. over. 
And that's yeah. the real anti-Semite, the, per, the person that called, uh, equated Jews to feces, okay? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, did he say that Zionists need bullets in their head? Something like that? Oh, I'm, I'm sure he crossed the violence line too, Sheila. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Fraser McBurney gives us five bucks. Britain is screwed. The new PM is a member of the World Economic Forum. She's also in favor of rejoining the EU. Britain is screwed. I'm going to do a story about uh, their potential health minister there because um, <laughs> he's the, the picture of health, isn't he? She again. She, oh, I misgendered. Um, they're all women. Her, they're all women. <laughs> and they all either look like uh, their pancreases have left the building years ago. They just gave up. Or they look like vampires familiars where they're just like sickly and gray. Like, <laughs> and I just, I think they're punking us by selecting these people as uh, the health ministers. Wow. They're not even trying. It's just mocking us. They're mocking us. Uh, Twinks uh, gives us a buck. You're correct, Sheila. We are producing more food on less land than ever before and using less water, by the way. Government mismanagement is bad optics. That's why people are starving today. Planet also looks after itself. Um, through natural disaster yeah no i mean I'm, I'm not sure if i believe that the the earth corrects itself i don't have a religious view of the earth but i do have a strong belief in the ingenuity of mankind and science to be able to turn non-arable land into productive land and it's been happening since time immemorial mm -hmm. uh, jessica hyde gives us a buck older people like my mom still watch legacy media like the cbc she can't conceive that the CBC would lie about anything. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of old people who uh, just don't change their channel. And I it behooves the younger generation to teach them how to use their remote controls so that they can get off the CBC. They can find curling on TSN. They do not need to watch the CBC for curling. Uh, Twinks gives us a buck. Uh, many still watch regular TV, listen to regular radio. I don't think it's many. I really don't. I, I, I think the ratings say that it's not all that many. This is why the liberals have such a stronghold right now through their paid media. Get on forum news to help spread your message. It's less biased. Is that the uh, very small uh, satellite channel that I think Tony Clement is on it? I want to say. <laughs> oh, I tried yes. watching it. Yes, it's. He landed on his feet, I guess. So that's good. Well, feet um, I'll take. It's the private parts that I don't want to see. <laughs> I don't want to address it. I just said you know, he just landed on his feet at Forum. So uh, anyway, uh, I think even Daniel Smith might have had a show on there for a little bit after she left uh, Chorus because Chorus is awful. And they told her to shut up about lockdowns. And she said no. Um, but I think that's the end of the show. I think we're all caught up on chats. Are we not, Olivia? Okay. We are indeed, Sheila. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to my co-host, Sheila, all the way from northern Alberta. And a special thank you to everyone who made a donation. It's how we keep these uh, very bright lights on, and we really do appreciate that. Tomorrow, there'll be two new other rebels, maybe not new, but other rebels for sure, starting at 12 noon Eastern. In the meantime, folks, as always, stay sane. <laughs>